Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. You know what I love sometimes, Christian, is when... We have to delay an episode sometimes for some personal reasons, you know, just push it back a little bit. We drop that episode, we record it. The next day is when stuff happens. Even when we delay it, we cannot escape the podcasting curse. Yeah, no, it's it's just inevitable at this point. Yeah. So in case you somehow missed it, the Avalanche made a, a trade, real earth shattering trade, I might add. Big one, big, big one. one, big one. Dryden Hunt's uh Forever Avalanche, we've known him for a very long time, as you all know, traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Dennis Mulgan in what is, I think, a pretty interesting deal. It's a very interesting deal. I did not know much about Dennis Mulgan when uh, we picked him up, uh, but after doing some research, I think he offers more potential than what Dryden Hunt was bringing to this team. Yeah, it's like the way I look at it is Dryden Hunt is the safer option where he's probably a bit more defensively responsible but outside of that just was kind of there most of the time with Morgan he's 25 he was pretty decent in Florida the last couple of seasons he goes to Toronto before the the covid shutdown had zero points goes back to i believe it was Switzerland comes Switzerland back, i believe yeah, yep comes back to Toronto this season and is 
two goals, two assists. He's a guy. He's there. He has upside. He has the ability to play up in the lineup. It just seems like that's more what the Avs are looking for right now, especially now as they've seen when they lose all of their players, they need more options that can play higher up in the lineup. Yeah, and that's what Mulgan brings. And we had kind of seen with Dryden Hunt. He was a fun new toy for like a week or two, and then his ice time was going from like 10 minutes to two minutes to three minutes. Like he had kind of fallen out of favor with uh with Jared Bednar. And it I think it's a I think it's a good move. I I do. I mean, you add Mulgan who has potential to play up in the lineup. Um and I mean Dryden Hunt had kind of like he he was more than likely gonna get waived again. If we didn't yeah. make this trade, you know, and it's, this is just even if this doesn't really work out with Morgan, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't see how he's going to fit here. I still think this is a really solid piece of business because we kind of forget we picked up Dryden Hunt kind of in a crisis because we just yeah. lost Sedlock on waivers to Philadelphia. The Rangers put Hunt on waivers either the same day or the next day. We had an open roster spot and we just needed a guy and Dryden Hunt just so happened to be that guy. He did his job just fine, but now you're turning that into what you are hoping is a little bit more of a regular, not regular because Hunt played all the time, but yeah. just a better depth scoring option. Offers a little bit more offensively than Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt was a a grinder type of player, kind of like a smaller Curtis McDermott, but now that Curtis McDermott's back, you, you really don't need, you need more playmaking on your team if you're yeah. going to be quite frank. You know, and, th- and this is just a move that I think works for both sides. I mean, Toronto wants a guy like Dryden Hunt right now, more defensively responsible. Is like, what are they really going to get out of Mulgan at this point that they don't already thoroughly have in their yeah. top six? And for us, like, we just need more depth players that can keep up with the rest of the team. Dryden Hunt was not in any sort of plans at the beginning of this season. Again, emergency pickup. With Mulgan, you can kind of have a plan in place for him. And also, I think this is a response to Galchenyuk now that I'm saying all of this out loud. I think they thought Galchenyuk was going to be a little better than what he was. And now they're hoping Mulgan can at least be somewhat of what they wanted Galchenyuk to be. Yeah, just a little bit. Like I said, I don't know much about Mulgan, but uh, he's he's played in the NHL before. He's done a pretty okay job. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, I think, it, like I said, it's a smart business move. You turn a waiver claim into a potential bottom six forward. That's that's a win. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, we can break down this trade for hours. It's not going to have a huge impact on any wins for either side in this deal. Maybe like one of them has a two goal game that leads to a win or something. That's all just chance anyway. More likely than not win healthy. Morgan's probably not in the lineup unless Agreed. unless he is really good and proves himself to be really good here. And that's probably the same for Dryden Hunt as well. He's going to be a rotating 12th, 13th forward in Toronto. And for Morgan, I mean, he's a guy that like I've noticed over the years, like early on in Florida, I thought he was going to maybe turn into something like his, his sophomore season. He had 11 goals, 11 assists, 22 points in 51 games, kind of slowly dipped off a little towards the end. Goes to Toronto, puts up a goose egg in eight games and goes back to Switzerland, comes back. And like he like I said, he has skill. He has talent. It's just not everyone can always put that together. We've we've seen it with Correct. Charles Houdon. Like Charles Houdon's a good player. He just it's not all coming together sometimes. And yeah. maybe Mulgan can be a bit more of a consistent version of that. But at the end of the day, I think it's just 
you can boil it down to he's faster than Dryden Hunt. He's played yes. with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner. If the worst comes to pass again, which you cannot put past this team, Mulgan can go up there in a pinch. Agreed. I agree. I, I think it's a good move. The funniest part to me is that the Avs, whenever they make a trade, the player just always seems to get stuck in immigration. I know. Like, did you see that today? That <laughs> he's stuck in immigration again. Wait, we just we just always seem to get players from Canada. Yeah, like it cracks me up because it's just like, of course, we we make a trade and he won't play for two weeks because he's gonna be stuck yeah, in immigration. Like, like you might time. you might as well just be putting him on the IR at this point. Yeah, like I found that very funny. Like that when Bednar said that today, I was like, of course, why wouldn't yeah. he be stuck? I, honestly, I I would have been surprised if he wasn't. Yeah, like, like it's just an abs. Like whenever they make a trade now, it's like, well, we gotta wait for immigration to clear them. Like yes. you think the abs may be immigration's like one of the top customers at this point. Like they're they're favorite repeat customers. They keep them in business at this point. <laughs> like we see all these teams like make these trades and like they're in the lineup the next day. We had to yeah. wait like a week and a half for Lekin and we have to wait like probably maybe one or two more games before we can even see Dennis Mulligan in the lineup. Like it's just it's so oh. annoying. But there's like Are you 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 think that uh immigration is going to work on the christmas like this close to christmas hell no we're, we're talking we may not see him till after the new year so let's be real here like we're talking about government officials some of them are taking this whole week off let's be real here man like, not, it may not, not be till after new year's we see this guy and you're also completely right because now you're thinking logistically and thinking the mind of a government employee during the yeah. holidays so uh dennis Morgan, enjoy your extended vacation yes enjoy it stay fresh come out to, oh i guess you can't come to colorado immigration. Nope. but uh keep skating and uh we'll see you when we see you <laughs> like and, and skate where with the leafs they'll be like sorry we don't pay you anymore uh there'll be some place you can skate but uh yeah i i thought that was very funny and just very on brand for the abs when it's come to trades these past couple years yeah it's just it's so annoying it's like every other team makes these trades they're on the ice like the next day yeah. you see them like in the jersey in the facility the next day with the abs it's just like it's a waiting is today the day he gets yeah. to get on a plane and come here like oh is his work visas held up for three weeks like makes sense i mean dryden hunt's probably gonna play with the leafs like tomorrow yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure dryden hunt will play tomorrow yeah oh it's just great but uh, i found that funny but yeah other than that i mean it's it's a uh early season trade that like <sighs> doesn't it kind of remind you of when they made that, the Avs made that trade a couple of years ago where they traded for graves and uh, I forget who they traded on the other end, but it seemed just like a minor like trade. No one really cared, but then graves actually turned to be like a decent NHL defenseman. I don't think that's going to happen again, but it's just eerily reminiscent of that. Yeah. With the grave stuff. I mean, it was uh Chris Bigris, wasn't it? Yeah. It was something like that. I thought he was going to be good. Yeah. And then he just I mean, never it, really clicked. I mean, even then, like that just seemed like this is a trade deadline AHL swap where we're just yeah. doing a favor to both of our guys. And surprisingly, Ryan Graves turned out to be a shot blocking machine and the perfect defenseman for a young Kale McCarr. Yeah, it worked out well. I mean, we upgraded, but yeah, it, it, it's just one of those trades. We'll see what happens. I don't have high hopes. I'm just hoping that uh, he's a he's a body. He can play NHL hockey and He's very um, unnoticeable if that's the dream for a third or fourth liner. Yeah. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, when it comes to a trade like this, we can all have high hopes that Mulgan's going to be another Nichushkin who just comes in here and the Avs get their hands on another reclamation project and turn him into a 20 goal score. I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility, but when you're being realistic, this is just a matter of fit. 
Yeah. Mulligan fits with the Avs better and Hunt fits with the Leafs better and what they're trying to do because the Leafs love trying to copy us. They tried to do it with Knack and it didn't work. So now try it with Hunt. Yeah, they're trying their best. I mean, I, I don't blame uh, Dubois or Dubis. Dubois plays for the Jets. Dubois. For, yeah. You're, in, you're Dubois. in Canada. You're almost there. Yeah. Not, not uh, quite the French province. Yeah. I don't blame him for trying to copy the best general manager in the sport. So. Well, we, well, we've seen how his trades have worked out with him in the past. Yeah, so it usually works out pretty well. But I got nothing really else on that on that trade. But it was uh, it was some news when the Avs make a move for a forward and they're trading a forward away from a depleted lineup. Yeah, I mean it. It was interesting because just you generally don't see stuff at this time. It's it's kind of nice to know that our general managers like do their jobs. Yeah. Like you you just see throughout the season like up until the trade deadline like so many GMs just sit on their hands and then just flip like a second round pick for a third line winger at the deadline and call it a season. Yeah. It it's nice to know that like we're paying attention to the details and like this guy's probably going to fit better. We're probably just going to put Hunt on waivers anyway. It's just good asset management. It's, ni- it's nice to know we care because there's yeah. a lot of fans of other teams out there. I won't name names of a certain Albertan team that wears uh, blue and orange where they constantly accuse their general manager of not caring about the details. And they're right, Edmonton. Yep. But totally lost my train of thought. But uh, anyway, nice to just know that McFarland and Sackick care about making the team better even if we're already doing fine yeah so let's uh let's transition to probably like we only have one game to talk about and usually when we only have one game to talk about that's not like the greatest news but this was probably one of the most exciting one zero hockey games you'll you'll ever see but it was a fantastic game for a game that ended one nothing in the shootout with one shootout goal I really enjoyed this game. When we talked about this game on the last episode, it's what I thought it would look like. I just got the score completely wrong. I said three to two in overtime for the Avs. The game looked like almost exactly what I was expecting it to. Ilya Sorokin was outstanding for the Islanders. Georgia was outstanding for us. And if it wasn't for Sorokin, we would probably be talking about like a oh, four nothing shutout win. What a great performance. Yeah, I I wanted to ask you because it's been like, I think it's like eight games in a row that the Avs haven't scored more than three goals. I know some people are like worried about that. I, I think the offense has been there. We've just ran into hot goalies these past couple games. Like, like you said, Sorokin was struggling coming into this game and he was unfucking real last night. He was great. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, th- he there was no into... chance we were, we were getting anything past him. No. And like at the end of regulation, there was the the stat tweeted out that he had saved like over four expected goals in this game. It was like yeah. four four point three. Like this game should not have been close. Like there were points in this game where the Avs were were dominating the Islanders in the offensive zone. Shots off the post, ridiculous saves by Sorokin. And just even back to the point about the fact that oh, we haven't scored over three goals in a while, we haven't had our offense. For like until recently, and even then, it's not still fully back. We're still missing uh, two relatively important pieces with McKinnon and Landeskog. And honestly, as long as you're winning, that's really not that huge of a deal to me. I mean, the last time they did it, they scored six against the Sabres, and then shit started to go wrong, and we started to lose people. We lose McKinnon. We lose basically our entire lineup at this point. Unsurprisingly, scoring went down. 
but they're still finding ways to win. That's what matters. The, sto- the scoring is going to go back up. I oh, yeah. I don't think there's any major concern about this being a thing long term. This is just what mortals look like sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely like if you look at the stats and you see that like the abs haven't scored more than three goals since McCain went out. Yeah, that's a problem. But I've watched we've watched every game. The offense is there. They're just like like uh, Sorokin was fantastic last night. UC Soros was unreal uh, on Saturday night against the Predators. But I think the offense is there compared to where it was with like games against like Boston and New York. I feel like the offense has been there more. So I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that this is like a, we should be worried. It's just when you would have one of the top five players in the world not playing, of course, your offense is going to struggle a little bit. Right. And like the power play has been a problem as of late. It's looked a lot better, but it's really only scored once yep. lately. But it's looked a lot better. But when you go like one for 30 on the power play over the course of six games, like, yeah, your scoring is going to go down. But the fact that they're still coming out of this where after the I like the Boston and the New York game are two of like those are the injury games. After that, things start to get better. After those two games, you're four and one in your last five. Yeah. And even if you're doing that without scoring more than four goals, that if anything tells me you're playing responsibly. Yeah, they're doing a good job. I mean, I'm not worried. And it's honestly been kind of like the best case scenario for the situation when you have guys going out of the lineup like. Like we talked about this, it, it was one nothing in this Islanders game, but the Avs had ended up up with like forty six shots in the game. Yeah, they they heavily outshot the Islanders in this yeah. game. Final was forty six to twenty six for the Islanders. Miko ran him in yeah. this game. One of the craziest stat lines I've ever seen. Can you name the last time, like, without naming like a triple OT playoff game, you saw a forward play twenty nine minutes? Oh, I want to say McKinnon did it. And Rantanen did it in like a regular season game where we had like, I want to say the Avs had like like almost 15 minutes of power play time. It was last year at some point because I know McCarr played like 33, but like 14 of it was on the power play. So and in this I, game, I, four minutes were on the power play for us. Yeah, I and mean Mika Rantanen. Much. Yeah, it, it was one of the best games he's played, and he's played a lot of really good games this year. This was an unreal game. I mean, nine shots on goal. That, that's McKinnon-esque Ten. territory. Ten. Yeah. That's McKinnon-esque territory with that with that amount of shots. Um, and a lot of them were high danger chances. I feel like he just kept he was so close. But you know Ranton's probably gonna get like two or three against the Canadians tomorrow. Like you just know, or tonight by the time you're listening to this. Like he was Sorokin made some great saves. I go back to that play he made in the third period, like late in the third period, where he tried to chip it over. I think it was Mayfield. Um, and he he got it over him, but the puck just bounced on him. Like that would have been the goal of the year for the Avs if he would have made that happen. Oh, yeah. Like in, in that third period, especially, like Sorokin was unbelievable yeah. for the Islanders. Like he he'd been kind of taking a dip lately. I don't know what it is about the Avs that just makes goalies feel so good about themselves. Like yeah. just Sturkin, Soros, and now Sorokin just all have these incredible bounce back games after these dips they've had. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's just, I, I guarantee you it's because they're playing the Stanley Cup champions, so they get up for that game. Um, but I'm getting a little sick and tired of these goalies coming slumping and then they play fantastic. Because the Sabres goalie, uh, Pekka Balukin, I guess not even come close. Huka Pekka Lukanen. Huka Pekka Lukanen. He, uh, he played good against the Avs, and then I watched him last night against the Knights, and he only allowed one goal. Like, he was unreal against the Knights last night. So it's like... Can these goalies just stay cold when they play us and then they get hot 
after. No, it's the other way around where they get hot playing us and then they continue it afterwards. Right, like j- just one time I want to have a goalie is just like, oh, he's just not on it tonight. And the we haven't had that once this year. No, we really well, no, no, no. We had Gustafson against the Wild early. Well, in the year. we we knew that was going to happen. Though. Yeah, that it, was. It, was it wasn't exactly a surprise. We were like, oh, the Wild cannot stop beach balls. Right yeah. Now. There but, has not been a game where it's just like, e- even like a mediocre goalie has at least had a, a good game against us. Like, when are we going to face a goalie who has like an 800 on like 90? Yeah, can we just get a guy to go up against and he has like a 905 against us instead of like a 922? Like, can we just get get that, please? It just hasn't happened recently. But uh, yeah, I mean, Sorokin was the story, but I, I think Georgiev went toe-to-toe with him. Like he made, he wasn't as busy as Sorokin, but he made the big saves early in the first period when, when they needed to. Yeah. And you know, and that's just what the haves need. We talk about almost every time we talk about Georgiev, he's just done what the haves need most of the time this season. And in the third period, when the haves were pushing the Islanders around in their own zone, the Islanders had some opportunities when they pushed back the other way, Georgiev made the big saves, which is quite simply what you need. Yeah, he he's been rock solid. He had a rough stretch, but the entire Avs team had a rough stretch, so I'm not really holding that against him. Yeah, um, like it's an 82 game season. Goalies, are, yeah, goalies are gonna have down games. They're just a lot more noticeable than when a, a player has one shot on goal. Right. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, he he ends up with the shutout. He doesn't allow one puck tender in the net the entire game. That's pretty badass. Like not many goalies can say that that they went to a shootout and they still didn't allow one puck to go in their net. Like that's pretty. That's a pretty big flex. Um, but yeah, I, I've been thoroughly impressed with Georgiev. I've been very, very happy with how he's played recently. I think the defense in front of him has been a lot better as well. Um, we uh, talk about another player who had a fantastic game, uh, who we've given some grief to. I mean, Sam Gerrard was everywhere last night. He was fantastic last night against the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, you would look at a game against the Islanders and be like, oh, this might be a game where Sam Gerrard struggles in. He was all over the ice. He probably had some of the better scoring chances of anybody on the team, not named Miko Rantanen. Yeah, I mean, he ended up with like seven or eight shots, I think is what uh, Gerrard ended up with. And that was, I know that Bednar had talked about that in the morning skate with him, that he needs to get more shots through because let's be real, Gerrard's kind of turned into Ryan Graves lately where he can't get a puck past past the first defender and it's leading to transition Is that not exactly what we talked about a couple episodes ago? That Gerrard just needs to be himself and be unapologetically good with the puck? Yeah, that's all we asked for, and this was really – I mean, he did it a little bit in the Nashville game. I thought the Nashville game was a good game for him, and then against the Islanders, that was one of his his best games we've seen him play in a very long time. Yeah, like th- this is the version of Sam Gerrard that is valuable and the kind that you pay $5 million for. I know he didn't end up scoring in this game, but he came really close. He was really good at keeping the Islanders hemmed in our zone, keeping the puck in, keeping the puck moving, keeping the Islanders moving, tiring them out, because that that's his job. Yeah. When we talked about this episodes ago, it feels like Gerard is trying to get away from his game as a response to being too small and trying to prove that he's this defensive defenseman and like, oh, I can do other things than move the puck. Just be good at what you do. That's what we pay you for. Yeah, I mean, him and I Eric say, Johnson. I say, we like, I say we like I'm signing checks. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, uh, like like him and Eric Johnson are back to being the Eric Johnson and Sam Gerrard from like 2019. Like they, they've they been really good as a pair together. Um, and it was good. Like as a Sam Gerrard fan, like I, I've given him his criticism, which I don't like doing. He was fantastic in this game. He was really fucking good. And 
that's what you need out of Sam Gerard going forward in the year because how many minutes did he need to play? And I think he ended up playing like 22. 23 and a half. 23 and a half. So that's that's what you need from him because it keeps – like McCarr and Taves are always going to have high 28, like above 28 minutes. McCarr had low 30s in this Yeah. Game. <laughs> no, I mean like that's that's where we're at because it, it's just – with this, when the lineup's fully healthy, you know for a fact those numbers are going to go down to twenty eight. Yeah, they, they have, like, they, they will. But and that's nothing against Andreas England or Brad Hunt. I thought they were actually pretty good too. But let, let's be real, like we need wins. They're going to ride their horses while they're healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, good for Sam Gerard. That was a much much needed game from him, and I just hope that this is just like the start of him getting back to the Sam Gerard we're used to. Yeah, I certainly hope so, because he's been kind of lacking the confidence in his own ability lately. This looked like the best version of Sam Gerrard that we've seen this season. It looked like the Sam Gerrard who was uh, in Norris consideration. Yeah, that that two-week stretch in the season where Sam Gerrard was like replacing McCarr and like, could he he win the Norris? Yeah, him and Taves were just fucking going all out, and then he got COVID, and then everything was ruined. But... uh, yeah, I mean, we just need Sam Gerard to keep doing that, and this team's going to be fine. And like we said with Eric Johnson, he's been fantastic all year. Like, I I hope they do, like, the same thing they did with EJ and just kind of, like, he'll play a majority of the season, and then, like, the last, like, month, he's just in, like, once every three games. Yeah, he, like, he that, that's a, my dream. He has a nagging injury. Yeah, like, that, that would be my ideal situation for Eric Johnson because we saw what it did for him in the playoffs. He's just continued what he did in the playoffs. He was fantastic in the playoffs, too. Yeah, he's just been consistent lately. He had kind of a rough start to the season. And since then, I can't name you a ton that EJ's done, but that's that's good. That's what yeah. you want out of Eric Johnson, especially at this point in his career and where he's playing in the lineup. As long as he's not making like costly turnovers and just making smart defensive plays, I don't I don't care if he's scoring goals or picking up assists or anything. Yeah, it's not his job. It's not his job. What what are your? Th- I'm gonna get off topic here because that's just very much what we do for the show. Um, what do you think they sign him to? Like, what do you think his next contract is in the off season? I think it's probably hovering around a million. And, I mean, it depends on if EJ wants to play next season. I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. If Eric Johnson wants to play next season. Can you see him going anywhere else? And like, like, can you imagine him on like the Kings? Like that just, no, I don't see it. But like, what what do you think he, I I just, I don't know. Like he's obviously not going to make 6 million. Like let's be quite frank, but like, would you sign him to like a two year, like $3 million deal? Like, is that market value for what he is? I think he's better than three three million per 3 million total, 3 million total 1.5. I mean, they're going to do right by him. I, I think they sign him to a one-year deal. And I think EJ will fully understand getting a one-year deal because he's he's getting up there in age. He's had yeah. problems with injuries in the past. And probably between one and one and a half million, I think, th- I think that's perfectly fair for the role he's going to play. Yeah, I just, I'm looking ahead to next year and it's like, yeah, we're losing that money, but with how valuable Eric Johnson's been so far to this team, if he wants to keep playing, unless like the rest of the season just goes down the drain and he looks terrible, I I want EJ back next year. EJ EJ's not really the kind of guy that you can just lose and have the team be okay with that. Right? Like he's he he's I know Landis Gog's the captain, but EJ is just as much of a leadership figure on this team as Landis Gog is. And if he just walks next season for like 
a one-year, $1 million deal to like Ottawa or Seattle or something like that. That's not going to sit well with anybody. Yeah. And plus, like, we don't get to see it on the ice, but EJ is a very important player behind the scenes, yeah. as anybody who has even a semblance of resemblance with this organization will tell you. Yeah, and that's that's why I was just thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, we lose that $6 million, which is great. But I don't want EJ to leave. Like he is, he's been very good, and it just—it's just a tale with Eric Johnson that, like, you just wonder, like, would he go down as an Avs all-time great defenseman if he never got hurt? Because in his prime, Eric Johnson was a fantastic defenseman, and I think people forget that because it was just bad. I felt like every year there was just something that happened to him that I always was like, damn, I wonder if he like could have gone down as one of the greatest Avs defensemen of all time. I mean, it's it's not fair to him, but that era of abs when Eric Johnson was at his best was not the best version True. of abs. So it's not his fault that that's generally not going to be remembered and he's going to be remembered as being like, oh, he was a little lower on the pairs when the team was at their best yeah. and they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, people like us and a lot of people that listen to the show are going to remember him as a lot more than that, as being the, one of the most important leadership figures on the team, but that's that's just how the books are written sometimes it's not yeah. always, it's not always fair i just always wonder because like he he's going to end up i think he passed i forget which player he passed in most games played last night it might have been cody mcleod in an av sweater um and he's been with the avs for 11 years now and you look at it and like he should be almost like at a ton more games but he's just not because of injuries <laughs> so i just want like he are we are we not appreciating the fact that He's going to go down or he should go down as a top 10 defenseman in avalanche history. And people are just going to remember him for, for this last little stretch, which by no means is bad. He's been very good these past couple of years when he's been available to play. But when you're going up against Taves, McCarr and Gerard, even like he kind of gets forgotten. So that, that was just something I was thinking about these past couple of days, just because at the end of the day, EJ is going to be a part of this organization for a long time, whether that's playing or not. Because yeah. when he when he eventually does retire, I can absolutely see a future where he sticks with the organization in, in, some, I could do. in some kind of like player development or managerial role or something like that. Like EJ's absolutely sticking around if yeah. if he wants to. It, if it's he going, wants to. It's going to be offered to him. I'll say that much yeah. at least. The only, like, wouldn't it just be like, like the nightmare scenario for me is that he goes home and plays for Minnesota for his last I year. Was, I was thinking about that when I was thinking <laughs> of teams he would go to, and I didn't want to say that out loud. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense for the uh, wild because they could get him probably cheap, but I don't think he, I don't think he'd do that. I, but, I think uh, after so long in Colorado, I think your, your hometown kind of gets forgotten at this. Yeah. Point after everything we've been through with them. Yeah. And like you look back on the Eric Johnson trade now, I remember when we traded for Eric Johnson, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? We traded Shattenkirk, who at the time was young and up and coming, and we traded Chris Stewart for him. And Chris Stewart was good, but now you look back on that trade and you go, the Avs very clearly won that trade by a long shot. So I just laughed at that trade because I remember in the moment I was a young Avs fan and I was like, what are we doing? Like Shattenkirk's so much better. And it's just not the case. Like it's, it's Shattenkirk had a good three year stretch. Would you say? Yeah. Like, like his peak was when he was traded to the capitals as like the prize of the deadline. Yep. And then after that he went to, where did he even go after the New York to the Rangers? Rangers. 
Yeah, he went to he went to the Rangers and was immediately one of the worst contracts in the league. Yeah, got bought out, went to Tampa, won a cup, and then signed with uh, Anaheim. Oh yeah, I, I always forget he scored that that overtime goal and yeah, the, the the COVID final. Yeah, so I look back on that and I just I I don't envision a scenario where Eric Johnson leaves, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Avs offer him. Hey, everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into big payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to play, he'll play. If he doesn't want to play, they'll offer him a position to stay with the team. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, he's he's been so good this year that I don't think he wants to go. I mean, like last year would have been a year to go out because you go out a cup winner. If you're coming back for this like, and you're still good. I think you stick around and you've made your money too. Like I remember when he signed that contract, I was like, damn, that contract's never going to end. Now it's like, this is the end of it. And it feels crazy. It does feel weird. Doesn't it? Like that contract feels like it was signed so long. It was 2015. Like, yeah, it was crazy. And then you have the, like when Miko Rantanen's deal expires in a couple of years, I'd be like, what the fuck is time? Like, I remember when we signed them like abs for life, baby. He's never leaving. It's like, well, wait, like he's going to be like 29 when that thing's up. Dude, that is, that is expiring a lot faster than right? I'm comfortable with. <laughs> right? Halfway through that deal. I was it seems a, crazy, right? I was that was but a, a young, foolish hockey fan in high school. Yeah. Like that contract that seems like it was signed like yesterday, and it's been like three years already. And you're like, Jesus it's Christ. Like 2019, dude. It's gonna be 2023. In like yeah, in two weeks. weeks. We're, we're, yeah, it's crazy. But uh let's get back on track. Um because another player, another abs defenseman was really good. You talked about Kale McCarr. Um, he continues to just be the most selfish and arrogant player in the NHL. Oh I, I, just, I can't, I can't believe I'm running forgot, out of words. I can't believe we forgot to to talk about that when that came out. Who, yeah. who wrote that? Larry, Brooks. some guy from the fucking Rangers. Yeah, like Larry Brooks wrote that after we played the Rangers. Or yeah, I remember this now. It was like he he thought Shesterkin was being like showy with. The, he thought he was doing the Mark Andre Fleury where he'd make yeah. a glove save and do a somersault. And, you know, you can't say anything about the Rangers without having it be a national news story. So Larry Brooks, who has probably never watched an Avalanche game in his life. I know he did not watch that final last year because he was so upset that the Rangers lost to Tampa. As called him, like, arrogant and, like, what did he say about Adam Fox? He's he's the epitome of what a Norris Trophy should winner should be. Yeah, he was like, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. But it was, he's like, silent and, like, classy. Or whatever. Like, yeah. Clearly, it, it was just such a take. It was like you have absolutely no idea what you're yeah. talking about. You're just writing to write. It's like when, but, like when we've had Raj on here talking about 
like when he's interacted with Kale McCarr and like when they talk about like, oh, you've done this. He's like, I don't like talking about that stuff. Anymore. Yeah. It's just, just... It like physically makes him uncomfortable to be praised. Yeah. And it, it cracks me up. But uh, yeah, that was a crazy take. But I mean, he Kale McCarr continues to prove that guy right because uh, what was it in the first period, end of the first period? Uh, something that I haven't seen since I think you sent it to me. It was Ovi did it. Yeah. He it. it the, for those who didn't see, Kale McCarr goes behind the net. It looks like he gets pulled down by uh, Matt Barzell. Very clearly on replay, he does it. And Kale McCarr literally waved off the referee from a penalty. He, he waved and said, that's not a penalty. Like, yeah, like, in, like instinctually. Yeah. And it was just like, all right, I respect that, Kale. That's very good sportsmanship. I forget who tweeted it, but it was very – you remember that like sportsmanship commercial yeah, where it was yeah, like the yeah. basketball? That was, that was Blaze who tweeted that. Yeah. I, re- I retweeted okay. that immediately. That was my favorite commercial of all time. Yeah. And it was just very reminiscent of that. And you're like, Kale, I appreciate that, but I would also really appreciate a power play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but like, does that not just speak so many volumes about Kale McCarr's character yeah. that like he didn't even think about that? That wasn't just like, oh, that wasn't fair. It's like, no, 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 no. That did. I tripped. I tripped. Yeah, it's I like, lost Nedge. Yeah, like the fact that that is his his first instinct is like, no, no, that wasn't. I that was my fault. I tripped. You know, I he. It's what Lane Lambert said. He wants to beat you honorably, and he can. <laughs> he can because he's just better than you. And I, I loved Kale after the game being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that again." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I felt a little guilty for the boys," and it's like, "Well, yeah, yeah like you, you gave away a power play, but also at the same time, like, like maybe that's what the Abs need because yeah. our hockey, the hockey gods have fucking hated us this year. So maybe that was a." Uh, Maybe that was a little bit of like, hey, I'll give this to you. You guys give me hockey gods help a brother out here a little bit. It's, it's just like, Kamakar, you are such a, a precious boy. Like this guy <laughs> just does absolutely no wrong. If he wasn't playing hockey, he'd be working in soup kitchens on the weekend. Oh, he probably like, does. He probably, he probably wears anyway. like a disguise <laughs> and is like in a soup kitchen. And they're like, that's Greg. Greg's here every Saturday. And he's he's just always great, and it's just Kale McCarr in like a full on like bodysuit, like with a mustache on. Like, ah, that's probably Kale McCarr. It's like just like the most pleasant person. <laughs> and again, like it just always brings me back to that Larry Brooks quote of like selfish and arrogant. Like if you could name one player in the in the entire league who is the antithesis of arrogant, it's Kale McCarr. I mean, you should look at a guy in your own fucking locker room, and that's Jacob Truba. Like that—that's no, so no, that's no, that's cap, that's captain material. Yeah, like that—that's no. captain material. You know, the way he he takes out Sidney Crosby in a playoff series, like that. Yeah. That's what boys are looking for. Yeah, like it's just yeah, it was very funny and just the ultimate Kale McCarr thing to do. Like that's just like. If you would have told me that an Avs player would have done that, I think it would have taken like two seconds to be like, oh, that was Kale McCarr. Oh, it was absolutely Kale McCarr. Like, but like, like I, I love Miko. You would never do that. No, never. Like, it, Kale McCarr should win the Lady Bing just for that moment alone. Yeah, he should. But and, and Kale McCarr's had a bunch of like unfair penalties called. On yeah, him, I've started to notice. And even still, he's not bitter and like, oh, finally, I'm getting my. He's like, no, that was my fault. Yeah, don't, don't do that, or else I'll feel bad. Like he was literally still feeling guilty after the game. Where it's, it's like, well, if I didn't do that, I would have felt guilty, but I feel guilty anyway because I let down my voice. Like, buddy, you're the best in the world. It's okay. yeah, like it's you're just okay. like you're, you're good, brother. Uh, it was very, very Kale McCarr, and that was probably in a game that had zero goals until, um, until ever. ever. Shootout, uh, shootout goals don't count, so no one scored. Yeah, until then, it was very funny that that's 
that was like the highlight of the game. Yeah. So, just, man, Kale McCarr, the the perfect man. Yeah, the perfect human being. So that was very funny. But I mean, we we should talk about. We already talked about Sorokin. We talked about Ranton and then Gerard and Kale McCarr and EJ. The man of the hour, the only one who scored a goal and is turning into like the like shootout god that the Avs have needed is Evan Rodriguez. The bane like, of New York Russian goaltenders, yeah, Rodriguez, right. who pulls this ridiculous deke out of his bag of tricks every time he's been in a shootout this season, which is a grand total twice. Right. He just pulls out the most disgusting moves and beats the unbeatable Russian goaltenders in both times. Like the first one against Shesterkin in New York. But like Shesterkin had what, like 40 plus saves at that point in the game. And we were like, this shootout's going to go like 50 rounds. Rodriguez just goes right out there and dekes his jock into the nosebleeds. I came into that shootout, especially after the overtime, being like, how are you beating Sorokin right now? Like, What what are you going to do that's beating this guy? Oh, how about you drag him all the way out of his crease and just put it into a wide open net? Is yeah, such a disgusting move, and it was the exact same move he did on Shesterkin. The exact same, the exact move. same one, except except this time he didn't like shove his nuts into his face. Yeah, it was it was very funny, and it was the only goal of the game, and it was just a great move. I honestly think if Rodriguez was healthy for that second shootout against the Rangers, that we would have won. Yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> that Rangers game is so funny. That, like the Rangers, like like a oh, seven game win streak, and we beat the Abs in there too. Like. Yeah, you beat us in a shootout when we yeah. were missing like eight people. Our, I don't even think Tamiko Ranton get yeah, Miko shot in that game. He did. But JT Comfer was our first shooter. Right. <laughs> like, like, let's be real here. We weren't we're talking about Evan Rodriguez being our uh, our lead fucking shootout guy. But if he keeps and two probably, for two, this and year, probably should be that way be. for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's very, very funny. But yeah, that was a great play by uh because he was really good again last night too. Like all of the abs forwards I thought were good. I mean, we didn't have a fourth line. We we tried to have a fourth line, but I think they played a grand total of what, like five minutes combined. Yeah. Well, when, when your second line is centered by Curtis, I'm sorry, your fourth line is second set. Fuck. Centered by Curtis McDermott. If that's not so hard to say, <laughs> I can actually speak on the podcast where it is literally just speaking words. If your fourth line is centered by Curtis McDermott, you're probably not going to play a lot. No. And I mean, honestly, like this was Curtis McDermott's first game back. He looked good. He looked good. He looked like old Curtis. Yeah. He he looked like a guy who hadn't played in 16 games. He was very not in shape. Uh, no matter how much practicing you do off the ice, it's impossible to mimic game speed. But he, uh, he, he was out there. I think he had like one or two scoring chances. Like he almost scored twice. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to have him back just because it's just nice to see a a, a guy like Curtis McDermott out there. And I was uh, very happy. But the rest of that line, like you said, it was um, Martin Kaut, who we didn't mention, got called back up and was told to do what exactly? That's a good question. Yeah. Be be consistent, basically. Yeah. It's like, we want you to be more like Logan O'Connor, so we're not going to play you with him. Your center is Curtis McDermott and also on yeah. your wing is Jacob McDonald. Yeah, and you're going to play, what do you end up playing, like four minutes? He played seven. Uh, Jacob yeah. McDonald played 96 seconds. Love it. That's great. Why, why even bother at that point? <laughs> they tried, but... Uh, did, did they? Yeah, that's at true. 90, at 96 seconds, you, like, you, you're you playing... That's like short. playoff game numbers. Yeah, 
You're playing like, shorthanded at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, you want to know why Miko Marantin played 29 minutes? Just look at that and see. Like, I mean, he it's, picked it's up not the other like eight. we couldn't have seen this coming. Yeah. We had two forwards who played a combined just over five minutes. Yeah. So it was a uh, it was a uh, interesting game for uh, for Jacob McDonald. I I think he's just going to stick around as like that seventh defenseman the whole year. Like, yeah, I, I think I so. Mean, it's just when this team's healthy, I just don't see how McDonald breaks back in the line. It's a shame because in that shortened season, I think McDonald was good. He was I, solid. I, he was solid. And then he took that hit from Jacob Truba. Or was it Truba? No, it was Lombard from Lombard. Florida. I, I don't know why. I just, I guess my brain just immediately goes. Yeah. To Truba, but yeah. <laughs> he takes that hit from Lomberg against Florida and just misses the entirety of last season and just hasn't been able to find it. And if you don't need proof, 96 seconds of ice time is yeah. really all you need to know. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but honestly, like the emergence of Andres England, I, I, I think McDonald's a little bit more replaceable than we're, than we were thinking originally in the year. Yeah, England's been good. Hunt's been yeah. Brad Hunt. He's been yeah. exactly he had a pretty decent scoring chance in this game too. But Brad Hunt's been Brad Hunt. And now you look at Jacob McDonald and you ask, what do you do here? And according to his ice time, not much. Yeah. I mean, I know Bendar said today he was like, he's playing like we see him more as a defenseman, but he's having to fill in at a forward. And it's like, oh, I honestly think he's better as a forward personally. Yeah. Um, it's because defensively, the, he's not the, been good. It's the Curtis McDermott treatment. If Jacob McDonald has to play, I'd rather him not be the last line of defense. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, we're, we're getting closer and closer to a healthy lineup. Is there anything else that we are missing in the Islanders game? There's, there's a few things I'd still want to talk about. Yeah. The, the Andrew Cogliano injury. Oh yeah. I can't yeah. believe I forgot about that. Shit. When, when I saw that happen, I watched it happen live. And I was like, he is going to be out for three months. So, I, so I thought that like, realistically, he probably just broke his collarbone. Best case scenario. He just dislocated his shoulder and he's going to be out for weeks. We get the news today. He's out for two games. Yeah, which best is, case scenario. Holy shit! I cannot believe it is not worse than he he went like chest first, like and chest, directly to the shoulder locker room. first, directly to the locker room. Could not stand up. I'm like that is a broken collarbone. Yep, I I thought so too. I I was thinking just like you, worst case scenario. But uh, we by Kale McCarr turning away that penalty. It's only two games. That that yeah. that was our reward. That, that's that was our penance. You know what? And I like that. That's our yeah. that's our penance. We turned down a penalty. We turned down a power play, and therefore our injury luck balances out ever so slightly. Yeah, ever and, so slightly. It's only two games for probably one of the like. If it wasn't for a bullshit suspension, would still be on his Iron Man streak. That's I know. That's so ridiculous too that yeah. that suspension still happened. Yeah. But the, I mean, for for Andrew Cogliano, when we acquired him, I really did not expect him. To, I just kind of expected him to be a guy. And he's turned into, like Eric Johnson, a huge leader in the locker room and just been really solid this season. Like, we've, we haven't talked much about Cogliano on this show, but we also haven't said anything bad about him ever. And that's exactly what you want out of the third line. That's exactly what you want out of, I mean, in an ideal world, he's playing the fourth line, but, but the that's fact, exactly the fact what you that want. you can put him on the third line consistently every night. And there's really not that many problems. Like, nope. yeah, he doesn't have a scoring touch. He's also, like, how old is he now at this point? 38. Yeah, he's 35 years old. Oh, geez. I'm sorry, Cogs. I gave you a little bit more uh, I gave you a little bit more years than you actually are. My bad. Yeah, but, like, the fact that you can put him on the third line and just, like, yeah, he doesn't have a scoring touch, but there's really no issues. And he's 
right now he's your best penalty killer. He is. He is. Him and Logan O'Connor have been fantastic. Yeah, so the fact that they've held the fort this long in the penalty kill without Darren Helm, the fact it's only going to get better when Darren Helm is back. I mean, it's a shame Cagliano is going to be out for a couple of games, but man, I thought that was way worse. The second. So did I. So did I. I was like broken collarbone. Maybe he's back this season. Maybe, maybe that's what we were thinking, but he, he turned out he's, he's going to be okay. Um, I just was very, very nervous when that happened. So to get that news today, especially when Bednar said after like, oh, he's going to get evaluated tomorrow. I just think worst case oh, scenario. Yeah. Like he, he immediately that. didn't return. He's going to be evaluated tomorrow. The second I see evaluated tomorrow, I'm like, oh, so he's getting an x-ray on the collarbone that he just broke. So that we can see how bad it's broken and determine if he's coming back this season. Yep. I was genuinely so surprised that it was two games. I saw two and I was like, oh, two months. Oh, games. Okay. Two I can, I can games. All right. We're cool. We yeah. can live with that. We can live with that. But yeah, Cox is going to be missed. Uh, but on more positive news, um, Nathan McKinnon was seen skating again today. So that's, that's good news. Uh, Darren Helm is still in a red non-contact, but he's getting – I feel like we've been saying he's getting closer for like three weeks, but he's he's getting closer. So, I mean, we haven't seen Landeskog back yet. I still think late January for Landeskog at the yeah, earliest. Mid mid January at the earliest for me. Realistically, we're probably talking All Star break ish. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, we've gone this long without him, so we, we we can troop through. McKinnon is the one that like, I mean, maybe there's a chance he's back on that New Year's Eve game against Toronto. That'd be sick. That's absolutely the case. I mean, the timeline they gave is that he's still on the exact same timeline. We could see him as early as next week, they said, or yeah. potentially either next week or two weeks. Probably not going to roll over into to January. Which is huge because you look at the the rest of the month for the abs is a little bit like it's not the hardest schedule, but then you go December 31st and January 2nd, I believe you've got Toronto at home, and then you go to Vegas. I would like to have McKinnon back for one of those games. I think you're probably going to see him at the latest Vegas stretch, latest Vancouver. Yeah. So it will be good. Like that, that we're we're slowly starting to get there. And like you said, the Cogliano injury sucks, but two games we can live with. Right. He's missing, we can live Mon- with two. missing Montreal at home and he's missing a trip to Nashville. Like, yeah, it, it sucks, but there's a worse two game stretch. He could have missed. Yes. There's a worse two games. So yeah, I mean, I, I totally forgot about that until you brought it up. So I'm glad you brought that well, up. I'm but, so like, glad that I've started writing things down. Now. Yeah. So yeah. That would have been bad for us to be on the forget. episode being like, did anything else happen in the game yeah. that we should be talking about? And then we ended like, oh yeah, we didn't talk about we that. We probably should have talked about that, but yeah, I mean, other than that, the Islanders game was, like I said, it was it was a very, like, I couldn't take my eyes off the TV for a 0-0 hockey game. So, you, usually you see a 0-0 hockey game, you're like, oh, this is trash. It was a fun game. Like, it was, it was very fun. It was a tense game between two teams that were playing really well. Like, this is what I thought the game would be, just maybe with a few more goals, but Sorokin played excellent, Georgiev played excellent, the Avs, they were able to, to answer the Islanders' system and do it a little better than they did. And the Islanders, they bent, but they didn't break. And this was a, a good game between two good teams. And sometimes okay. shit just happens or therefore nothing happens. Yep. So very, very exciting. Um, looking ahead to today, by the time you listen to Montreal, like you said, and I think it was last week's episode, Montreal is not as bad as they were last year, but this is still like you should win this game and the offense should come alive in this game. Yeah, the f- the fact that we had a really good game against the Islanders, really strong defensive game, 
after having a really strong detail-oriented game against the Predators, I'm not worried about this. Montreal is very much a trap game team. I don't see them falling for this right now. I I, I will say I'm a little worried just because we've seen with the Abs uh, in this run where they've been really good. Like games like this, they they don't get as up for. Um, I so just, I just think six days after the Buffalo stinker, it's it's tough to have another one. So close. I agree, I agree, but I, I'm a little nervous. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game than we're probably going to think. I would assume Francois gets the start. I would assume. I would think um, so. And then you save Georgiev for Friday because then you don't you don't want to give Georgiev like almost a full week off with the Christmas break in there. So I would assume that it's Frankie tomorrow and then Georgiev on Friday. Um, and then I think the Avs against Arizona after break, probably. Yeah, I I think the Avs win this game against Montreal. I'm gonna say they win it five to two. Oh, with that's exactly what I was gonna yeah. say. I think five to two, and then it's three to two late in the third period, and they get two empty net goals. I I like that. I think it's gonna be five to two. I think it's just gonna be a a good performance for an Avs against a team that's just not as good as them. Yep. If they play like they did against Buffalo, I'd be worried. But if they play the way they played against Nashville and the Islanders. Honestly, I'd, I'd be surprised if they give up two. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're you're right there, but it just scares me the trap game um, because you're coming off such a good performance that maybe you fall off a little bit. But even if they fall off, like you're falling off to, um, like that performance was so good against the Islanders that I, I think that Montreal. I don't envision Jake Allen or Primo having the type of game that Saros or Sorokin did, and if it does happen, that's crazy. Like. But I, I think the Avs are going to get their offense. I think the power play gets going. Uh, I, I think the Avs I, win this game 5-2. I think the power play is going to be huge in this yeah. game. We see we saw one breakthrough from Rantanen against Nashville. They came so close against the Islanders. I think we're going to see two, maybe three power play goals. But I I'm agree. Gonna, I'm going to stick with two. They're going to get two power play goals in this game. It's going to carry them to a big win. And you, you look at the Habs lately, like, they were a good trap team early in the season, but the the cracks in the lineup are starting to show. They have no one on defense. Let's they, be real. They have made up players on defense. You yeah. look at their last stretch. I mean, ever since December, they randomly beat the Flames twice, once in a shootout, two to one. They lost to Edmonton. They blew that game to Vancouver, seven to six. They beat lost Seattle. to Anaheim, which is hard. Yeah. Lost in regulation to Anaheim. Yeah. They lost in regulation to Ottawa, and they got beat up pretty bad by Tampa before they went to to overtime in Arizona and won that game. You should win this game. If you don't win this game, it's your fault. Correct. So I think they win that game. I think we're both in agree that they win that game. And then we go to Nashville the day before break. I don't know what it is about Nashville going to Nashville in the regular season. The abs just don't show up. Um, so I am worried about that. I mean, and... I'm, I'm just getting flashbacks of last year where yeah. just everything went to shit. Like Correct. the day of the game, the league is shutting down again. No one knows what's going on. Kale McCarr and Darcy Kemper test positive, And we go out there and it's just the, the worst game of all time. Yeah. There's no players. So like my, my gut instinct is giving me fear because yeah. of last year. I mean, they should win this game, but they should. But I think just based off the way Soros played last week against us, I think they'll play him again. Have they won a game since then? I think, yeah, they won last night against the Oilers. Okay. So Nashville's still a tough place to play. Um, I, I think that I would not be shocked if we lose that game. I would, I would not be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either. I mean, I think my gut's telling me they do. 
I don't, I don't I think know. So too. I don't know if that's just because of last year and just the absolute disaster yeah. that was that game, which wasn't anybody's fault, but it was just like, it was such a, a mess from top down. It's just, I'm looking at this on the schedule and it's hitting me again that we're playing Nashville in Nashville going into break. Yeah. And now I'm like, Oh God, we're something, something's going to happen again. So I, maybe that's where I'm coming from. I we're in the same boat. Cause I'm thinking the same, like it's the day before Christmas, like the, this just screams like major letdown spot. It just does. I I'm not going to go major letdown. I'm going to say Nashville gets lucky and squeaks one out. I don't so, disagree. Something weird is going to happen in this game and the abs lose something weird. Something fuckery is going to happen. Yeah, I think this is the first time in podcast history that we both predicted a loss. And honestly, for really no reason other than just I'm traumatized. Yeah, I think that's it too. Um, but yeah, I, everything you said, I completely echo. I, I think it's going to be just a weird game. Luckily, it's not like a matinee game, but there's just something about going to Nat. Like this is our first time in Nashville all year. It just always seems some fuck shit happens there. Always seems like it. Like you can book Matt Duchesne probably two goals. Um, and... It's just going to be a fuck shit game, and we're going to have a very funny episode to record later uh, later that week. Yeah, so we actually, it's a good uh, scheduling note to say we're going to record right after that game on yep. Friday and have that release on Christmas Eve. So obviously, we're not recording on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And so so you guys could have something to, to listen to over break with your holidays because we know it's not super easy for everyone. Yeah, and I think it honestly makes that Montreal more of a must win than I would want to say. Um, I mean, it's just, it's really only if you're resigned to the fact that we're going to lose the national. Yeah. Game. We really have no reason to believe other than just last year and superstition. Yeah. yeah just gut instincts. Yeah. But you look at it in the big picture. If you beat Montreal, you end up going four and one on this homestand. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you take this against Montreal, you win that four and one on the homestand you go into Nashville, like even if some weird shit, I, I just feel like we're due for like a weird game. We are. There's just been a the bunch. The games of- have been too perfect. Like they've been too like no fuck shits happened recently. Yeah. So we're the, due for the, one. The blues game was a little fishy towards the end, but we came out on the right side of it. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean that, that was a week ago. So like we're due for some fuck shit happening. Yeah. I love I love how we go sometimes on the podcast like over an hour and we like keep the swearing to a minimum and then at the end it's like oh some fuck shit. Oh yeah, no, nah, I mean I, I gotta get them out. Fun. I have like a daily allotment. I'm not allowed to use them at work, so this is where I can it's where I can get it all out. Yeah, so this is why your kids can't listen to this podcast because <laughs> fuck. Shit. Yeah. We curse. It's an explicit <laughs> it's an explicit podcast. Stop yelling at me. I've I've seen people yell at me about this. Uh. It's marked explicit. So yeah, you know what you're getting yourself into. But overall, I mean the abs are the abs are turning a corner. They're looking better. People are coming back. I mean, sure, injuries are gonna happen. That's just hockey. But right now we're we're turning the corner a little bit. McKinnon's return is imminent, it seems like in the next week or so. Uh you've got Helm who could play this year. I don't know, but you know, this he could he play. Could, he could play next week, he could play in April. Yeah, you just don't know. But overall, like I'm, I'm pretty compared to where we were like two weeks ago with this team. I feel completely different. Yeah, this, this homestand's been perfectly fine outside of a clunker against Buffalo, which which happens from time to yep. time. As long as you can finish strong against Montreal, you have a, a little room for the 
the anticipated mess that's just gonna be Nashville. It's it's just given some bad vibes for some bad reason. juju, bro. Just some bad vibes coming off of that game. So you win this against Montreal, you look good, and you can go into break even if some weird shit happens against Nashville, feeling real good about yourself. The Avs are sitting first wild card at the moment, six hundred points percentage. Like teams in front of them are gonna cool down. The wild are on like a like a season best bender at eight and two in their last 10, they've won five in a row. Like we're going to look back at the end of the season. It's going to be their best stretch of the year. So, and even then how far are they, they're two points ahead of us and we have a game in hand, like not even, not even anything to be worried about. And like you said at the, I don't know if you mentioned on the pod, but the abs have like one of the easier strengths of remaining schedules for the rest of the year. Sometimes I just like to look at tankathon and see who has like the toughest strength of schedule left according to that. We have the third easiest strength of schedule because we still have Chicago twice, Anaheim three times, San Jose three times, Arizona four times, Vancouver twice, Ottawa twice, that kind of thing. Like I, the abs have played such a hard schedule to start the year that it's going to be nice to hopefully beat up on some bad teams for a little bit. Yeah. So it is also worth mentioning like we still have the Leafs twice, the Vegas twice more. We still have to play Tampa twice in February. Like strength of schedule with 50 games left is kind of, asinine it's just fun fact yeah fun fact so i mean we've seen it already this month like the schedule's lightened up after the rangers like it's been it's been a little bit more manageable so and when this team gets healthy they can beat anyone in the league so i mean even in january it's not that bad like it it starts with vegas vancouver edmonton florida they're talking chicago ottawa detroit calgary vancouver again seattle you have washington coming and Anaheim, St. Louis, like there's, I'm just, I'm just going to quickly run through. Okay. Uh, February is very spacious, but a pretty tough schedule. Oh yeah. Yeah. I haven't looked at this in a while. Pittsburgh, Tampa, Florida, Tampa, Minnesota, second half of a back-to-back after playing Tampa. Cause that's fucking fair. That makes sense. St. Louis, St. Louis, Edmonton, back-to-back morning games, four days off. Winnipeg, Calgary back-to-back, one day off Vegas. Who the hell made this? Uh, they just said kind of YOLO, but the good news is is hopefully Landy's back by that point. So you're talking hopefully a full lineup by then. Granted, that's two months of hockey without hopefully getting hurt anymore. So, yeah. But it's looking better for the Avs. I feel good. I'm feeling good going into the Christmas break. I think I've just accepted that some crazy shit's going to happen in nashville but if you can beat montreal you're you're feeling great yeah you're feeling fine oh yeah like even if you d- you didn't score any goals against the islanders outside of the shoot i'm so proud of myself i didn't go on my shootout rant today and you you only get the one in the shootout but you're still feeling good because you're just playing good hockey and yep. all it takes is a goalie to just have a mediocre night and you're gonna score five goals if you're playing like that correct so we'll see but I think that's, I think we're good, man. I don't have anything I think, else. I think we're good. Now that I have stuff written down, I can check things off as we <laughs> go and be like, okay, now, now we're done. Now we can fully wrap up an episode. So again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. The Avs still have three home games left before the end of the season. And that New Year's Eve game against Toronto, I know I know it's a little earlier in the day, but that one's giving off some good vibes. As a, We may a be doing game. a ticket giveaway for that one. I, we may do because um, 
I love the Avs and I love it, but my Michigan Wolverines are playing uh, in the mm. college football playoff that day and they play at 2 p.m. and I may be in Arizona for the game. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. I imagine that'll probably be one of the higher uh, engagement ones we get for a Leafs game. I am. I imagine so. So yeah. you have two options. You can hope to be one of the probably like 500 people that enter those ticket giveaways every single time, or you can get $20 off your first order, $50 or more at SeatGeek with promo code. Tell it abs it is. And like we talked about with the, the ticket prices, you can probably get two of these tickets for like $8 at this point. Yeah. So well, I was going to send you this TikTok um, before we derail this. And uh, it was a Canadian guy and he was like, American fans don't realize how good they have it with hockey that they can go see a game for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. We really well, probably don't that appreciate is, that. That is very true. Yeah. So take yeah. advantage of it with SeatGeek and use that promo yeah. code. You no, know, in Canadians, they'd get things like free healthcare and whatever. Yeah. But we get hockey tickets. Bro. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but anyway, promo code Teledabs it is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But we will be back on Saturday this week releasing on probably midnight christmas eve we're gonna record on friday after the nashville game we'll be back on saturday not sunday this week just for you know merry christmas happy holidays we got stuff to do so we'll be back then but until then let's go abs